I'm Lisa Stone. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Parenting Aces. Welcome to the Parenting Aces podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Stone. We are just a few days away from the Seoul, Baltimore. Entries are closed. We've got our player field all set. Our player book is at the printer, and we've got a great weekend coming up at the Suburban Club in Baltimore. If you don't follow Parenting Aces on the various social media outlets, I encourage you to do so before this weekend because I will once again be doing some live videos probably over Twitter uh, from the event. So make sure you follow at Parenting Aces on Twitter so you can see that video footage. And speaking of tournaments, there is a really cool event that started in the 1930s in Shreveport, Louisiana, which is my hometown, that has been dormant for about the last 10 years or so. And a group of tennis enthusiasts, tennis players, tennis historians, tennis lovers is working to bring this event back. And it is going to be August 17th in the Shreveport, Bossier, Louisiana area. So I'm really excited to have as my guest this week, my younger brother, Jeffrey Goodman, who is behind the revival of the city championships in Shreveport, Louisiana. Jeffrey, thanks so much for doing the podcast. I'm really excited to jump into this and hear your thoughts. Thanks so much for having me. I am too. Good. So Jeffrey, just like me, we we grew up in a tennis family. Our dad has been playing tennis his entire life and at age 80 is still going strong. But I'd love for you to give the audience a little bit of background into your tennis life. Yeah, absolutely. So like all three of us, uh, we, uh, very young, uh, dad would take me out and start to teach me how to play. Uh, probably, I don't know exact ages, but probably somewhere between ages four and six. Uh, I started going out with him once or twice a week and I uh, grew to like it uh, quite quickly i think more than anything he was uh he was uh, he was young and still hustling and not around that often and so it was uh, one of the only times really that i got to hang out just with him and be with my dad uh and so i think tennis and being with my dad were just intimately linked and tied to one another um i i started probably at age eight nine playing in tournaments uh tens 12s, 14s, 16s, 18s. I played uh, high school tennis. Um, I was I always loved uh, playing and competing uh, as a kid. I wasn't uh, I wasn't particularly a great junior. Uh, a lot of different coaches as I uh, uh, evolved in as a tennis player. I probably had seven or eight different coaches uh, from age. 10 to 18 it really took uh a guy when i was about 18 years old to fully kind of get my game and uh connect with my game and i remember him he, he was the first guy that really taught me how to win and i remember him sitting me down one day and saying okay you know i've I, i've watched you play i've seen what you can do and what you can't do he said you're small you're done growing your serve's terrible you don't know how to volley you have no overhead <laughs> he said but 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 you're really fast, you're very fit, 
fairly solid ground strokes. And he said, have you ever, have you ever seen anyone that can hit a winner off of a high backhand from behind the baseline? And I thought about it. I mean, no one had ever asked me that question. And I thought about it and I said, you know, I really haven't. I don't think. And he said, well, I'm going to teach you how to play. He said, I'm a, it's going to be really boring. People are going to make fun of you, and they're going to call you a pusher or maybe even worse names. But if, if you want to win, uh, the game that's going to allow you to win a lot more than you ever have. And I said, I'm in. And so over the next few months, uh, we completely recrafted my game. Uh, and sure enough, uh, my results started to come. I started going a lot deeper in tournaments. Um, and I ended up making my Division III uh, college tennis team at Washington University in St. Louis. And I played number three for them and probably won, uh, I don't know, 80, 85% of my matches at number three for WashU. I ended up being second team all-conference at WashU. Um, and then as uh, after I graduated college, I continued to play and as an adult, got into league tennis and again, started having really good results as a, as a singles player, still always kind of conforming to this game that uh, he, had, he had crafted for me. And I'll, I'll pause there for a second and see if you want more. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, one of the takeaways from this is you were late in your junior career when you made this change to your game. And one of the things I, I'm hoping that my audience hears and takes from this is that tennis is a journey, and I say it all the time. It's a long, long developmental pathway, and some kids find success early on, but some like you have to wait until the 18s before they figure out how to win. No, absolutely, and I mean, it's weird. I was probably at age 25, maybe even age 30 or 32, 33, playing the very best tennis of my life. Right. And and I say that about my game as well. You know, at age 55, I'm way more competitive than I ever was in the juniors or on my high school team or any of that. So, um, again, it's it's a lifelong journey. Yeah? yeah, for sure. For sure. No doubt about it. And so you played in college. You didn't play all four years, though. You you decided to to take a break for a little bit. When did you come back to tennis, or did you ever leave it a hundred percent? Yeah, no, it's a good question. I mean, I, I uh, you know I left college wanting to pursue a career in film, and I lived in Europe for a couple of years. I lived out in Los Angeles for seven years, and uh, I, I honestly can't recall. I maybe played tennis once or twice during those two years in Europe. And in L.A., I'd play a decent amount, but I never quite got into a good tennis routine. I was working freelance. I was on call, and I just I didn't have a very stable life and it was professionally, and it, it just wasn't easy for me to schedule anything like a regular tennis match or uh, even play in tournaments. So, you know, really the, t- the 10 years following graduation of college, I got out there when I could, um, but with with no uh, real consistency. There was one cool experience I had while out in LA. Uh, There's a guy, Dr. Alan Roberts, who dad knew, I, I want to say through med school. Um, and Alan was a very fine tennis player. I can't recall what his exact pedigree was, but he lived in Beverly Hills. He had a tennis court uh, at his home. And 
dad connected us while I was out in Los Angeles. And Alan kind of took me under his wing. And uh, there's about a six-month period out in L.A. where I would go to Alan's and play two or three times a week. And I remember still to this day, Alan, uh, maybe the second or third time I was out at Alan's house, I was playing in a doubles match with him. And I was running after a ball and you know got there at the very last second. And I remember Alan turning to me uh, right after that. And he, he said to me, he said, um, he said, Jeffrey, he said, you know, I don't, I've been playing tennis all my life. I don't think I've ever seen a faster person on a tennis court. And it was weird. It was, it was like one of these things, you know, I've probably had 10 to 20 things in my life that someone has said to me that just completely transformed the way that I viewed myself. And, and that was just, in 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 one sentence in in five seconds he completely changed the way that I thought about my abilities uh, and 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 my foot speed on a tennis court and from then po- that point forward and then on I felt like I was kind of superhuman fast on a tennis court and it kind of gave me a new um, a new view of myself as a tennis player moving forward. But anyway, um, you know, during those 10 years, I didn't have any true consistency for my tennis. And then when I came back to Shreveport in 2005 and started teaching tennis as I was raising money for a film, I started really getting kind of a good tennis rhythm again for myself. And I mean, what's cool about that, you know, besides that story with Dr. Roberts, which is awesome. And if there are coaches listening, I hope you heard that and hope it helps you realize that what your students here come from you, you never know what it's going to do for them confidence wise, uh, results wise, life wise. I mean, it's, you never know what, what effect your words are going to have on someone else. And and I think that's so cool that that stuck with you, Jeffrey. But coming back to Shreveport and using your experience in tennis to help you catapult your film career to the next level is such an awesome thing, too. And, and you know, this is one more of those situations where you never know where tennis is going to take you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, it... it um I mean, the nice thing about tennis, you know, for me is, uh, number one, like I never got burned out, I think partly because I was never that good. Um, and uh, I still love it to this day. So I feel super fortunate that like it's something that's never been worked, that never has in, has, had, has had any kind of negative uh, connotations or real negative memories associated with it. It's all been purely positive. Um, and, you know, it allowed me... It, you know, tennis for me, and I think for many others, just allows you to kind of into new places and people um, wherever you go. Right, for sure. And so you started teaching, uh, and we're going to fast forward a little bit, and I, I just want to brag on you a second. Jeffrey did end up raising the money to make a feature film, which he shot in Louisiana, and it was met with some very widespread critical acclaim, not just in the U.S., but around the world. He took the film on the festival circuit. It it did phenomenally well. And um, to this day, people are still talking about it on Twitter. So I always get excited when I see tweets with, with your name in them, Jeffrey. But, um, but we'll talk about the film another time because that's a little bit separate from where we're going today. But after you did the film, or maybe it was during that whole process, you started up a group at Corby's Tennis Center 
where you had adults and kids and everything in between meet up on the weekends to hit. And I'd love for you to talk about that for a minute, because I, I have the feeling that that was maybe the beginnings of what led you to work on bringing back the city championships. It's interesting you bring that up. I hadn't really thought about it, but I guess my interest in bringing back the city is kind of twofold. Um, one, that group that I started it was inspired by a group that I was part of, actually, while I was living in Los Angeles. I came across uh, a group that a guy was putting together over at the Burbank Tennis Center, and it was uh, a huge weekly invite uh, that he would send, and there would be 50 to 70 people that would come out. And when you came out, you would tell him, you know, this is what level I am. And he would put sets together. And we were on, you know, 20, 30 different courts. And it was one of the cooler things I ever saw. So when I came back to Shreveport, um, you know, I just, I, I, I had always had adults play with me as a kid, the better adults play with me as a kid. And I wanted to kind of do the same for the juniors that were coming up. Um, and so, yeah, I put together uh, a group that uh, got together uh, twice a week in Shreveport. I would send out a text to pretty much the 50 best tennis players in the city and just say, we're playing at set, such time at such place. Uh, just let me know if you're coming. And, um, that started probably six or seven years ago um, and continues and, and to let this me, day. Let me just interject. You didn't charge for that, right? That was free. That's correct. I still don't charge. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's probably the first thing that kind of connected me back to Corby's. And then the second thing is actually that year I moved back to Shreveport, uh, 2005. Um, I had my deepest run ever in the city tournament. I ended up getting to the finals uh, in the men's open singles. And so, uh, and, and I'd always had just good results and, and memorable matches that I either watched or played in myself at the city. And um, just uh, as I, as I kind of watched the city over the next 10 years, just slowly get uh, less and less popular and then uh, eventually die out. Uh, it, it was hard for me to ever shake the interest in, in trying to get it back. And I mean, let's just point out to the listeners too, that Corby's tennis center was our public courts, right? I mean, I think, I don't even remember if you had to pay to play there. If you did, it was just like a couple dollars. Yeah. It's still to this day. It's uh, I think $2 and 25 cents an hour. It's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> So, but when you, when you went out there and you went in the clubhouse, there were photos and trophies all over the clubhouse commemorating the city championships. I mean, it was, that tournament was a huge part of tennis in Shreveport. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when I, when I look back on it and the way that I describe it to people is it, it felt to me, and I think it was, it was the annual gathering of the entire area tennis community and it was a week-long event and pretty much anyone who loved tennis was there either playing or watching or both exactly and and, and you know as i've told and as i've told people in the last you know several weeks as we as we've been working on this you know it's probably if you love tennis it was probably the single most comfortable place for you to be in the world for that particular week because all you were all you were around were 
like-minded people with the exact same passion and interest you had. Right, right. And that's a huge part of it. And I mean, talk about the different events that were part of the city championships. Before I go there, I just want to say something real fast. So, you know, I did a, I did a, um, uh, gathering last week with a bunch of people and, uh, you know, I, I, I was kind of telling them what we were doing and I started out the event by saying, look, you know, I, I handed them all a piece of paper on the details of the event. And I said, you know, on that piece of paper I handed you are the what, when, where, and who are, are, are doing what's coming up. And so I'm not going to spend any time talking about that. What I want to focus on today is the why, you know, why, why, tournament is important and and why I want to bring it back and um you know for me and 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 I said that why is different for every single person that's here um and so the why for me was I grew up at the city watching my father play um and he competed um when I was a kid and I have very vivid memories of watching him play hard and compete in the city and uh, another event at the city when I was a kid was a father-son doubles event, and he and I would play together in that. So I have very strong, fond memories of that experience. And then as I became a better player, I started playing in the juniors every year. Uh, so to answer your question, I mean, the city historically had every age division for juniors, singles, doubles, uh, every age uh, division for men, women, singles, doubles, mixed. Uh, it had father, son, it had mother, daughter, and then it had men's open singles, doubles, women's open singles, doubles. And so what was cool, and this is something that you posted on the, the tournament's Facebook page, is when we were kids, you could enter multiple age groups. So there were kids that would come out that would be playing in the 14s, 16s, and 18s. Oh, yeah. For sure. And the adults would do the same. I mean, you, you would have adults that were playing in the 35s, 40s, and 45s, or uh, three or four different events. Uh, 40s, 45 singles, and 40, 45 doubles, or 40, 45 singles, father, son, mother, daughter, father, son, father, daughter, or what, what right. happened. So, yeah, absolutely. Right. And sadly, USTA doesn't allow for that anymore, but it it made for some very exciting matches because much like the UTR events now that are level based, you would sometimes have a 12 year old playing an 18 year old or, you know, an 18 year old playing a 40 year old. Yep, absolutely. And I mean, to be honest, you know, that was one of the big draws of the city tournament was it was the one time a year that the very best juniors in town played played against the the already established better adults in town. And it was young versus old. It was up and comer versus established. And there was nothing quite like it in our area. Yeah. I'm not sure there was anything quite like it anywhere. <laughs> it was, it was pretty unique. Yeah. And what was interesting, I guess it was the one time a year where you would hear about these kids who were having good results away, you know, hearing about how good they had gotten, hearing about other tournaments they had played in, but it was all hearsay. You know, it was all, it was all folklore. Um, but here they had to come do it in front of a hometown crowd in front of their people and do it against people who are 10, 15, 20 years, their senior and, and, and really show how they compared, uh, to the generation or our generations that had come before them. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was always very, very exciting. And I mean, just the whole atmosphere around that tournament. I remember, same as you, coming out as a young kid, watching daddy compete, and then competing myself and, um, you know, even winning the Sportsmanship Award one year, which was very cool. And and I have to just kind of give a little plug because those who follow our Facebook page may have already seen this, but I think my dad and I are the only two father-daughter duo that both won the Sportsmanship Award at the city championships and both have our names engraved on that trophy. So uh, that's a pretty special memory too. Yeah, that's amazing. And yeah, and uh, just one other thing, Lisa, that, you know, I've kind of been thinking about, I mean, really, you know, the city tournament, I think, was the annual barometer of how healthy, how good, um, just where area tennis was headed. And, you know, once that went away, you know, we, we just were missing that kind of compass or, or, or that barometer. So what happened 10 years ago that made the tournament disappear? Yeah, I think like a lot of things, I think, you know, the people that really understood what this was, what this meant, weren't as involved. I think I think, pri- I think part of it was new pros came in to Corby's that didn't grow up in the area, so didn't have the, the background, didn't have the connection to it. And, I mean, you know as well as anyone, I mean, to keep these things going the way that they really need to go, it takes, it takes real commitment. It takes people doing real work. Uh, to hustle and uh, to promote and keep it alive. Right. Absolutely. And, and I mean, it is tough and Shreveport is one of those communities where, you know, there a lot of people leave um, new people come in that, like you said, don't have that connection to the history of tennis in the community and don't really understand how important these types of events were to the tennis community in the city, to helping it grow and thrive. And, uh, and, and may or may not have been interested in putting in that work, but I mean, to have you revive this and, you know, talk a little bit about the committee you've put together, who's working on this and, and what it's taking to get this thing kicked off again for 2018. Sure. No, it's an interesting effort. So there's there's actually kind of two parallel efforts working very intimately together. So I would say our effort is three people. It's myself, it's Todd Killen, who is uh, an ex-Division uh, One player and the director of tennis at the Bossier Tennis Center uh, in the area, and then a gentleman by the name of Rick Holland, who uh, has always been, or for, for a long time, has been deeply committed and involved in the area tennessee uh, the uh, series that we had that was so active and 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 such a vital part of the tennessee in the area in the 80s and it's the three of us uh that are working hard to bring this back but alongside of us there's a separate group that is working hard to revitalize the corby's tennis center and so uh you know we you know one of the analogies i've made uh over the last couple weeks is you know, I kind of feel like the city and the Corby, city, the city and Corby's are kind of similar to Churchill Downs in the Kentucky Derby or uh, Augusta in the Masters. You know, one, if you had Churchill Downs, but Kentucky Derby wasn't around anymore, something would feel a bit off. Or if you had the Kentucky Derby, but you didn't have Churchill Downs, it had to go be run somewhere else. It would just feel a little less satisfying. And 
So that's kind of how we feel about Corby's in the city. I mean, they're, they're siblings, they go hand in hand. And so we're, we're all working together uh, to bring both of these things back. But the tournament's not going to be held at Corby's this year, right? That's right, because Corby's is in such disrepair right now, we couldn't even hold the tournament there. So um, you're, we're hoping, you know, simply uh, the fact that we can't hold it there, I mean, that we can talk more about the current state of Corby's and uh, what's going on there and, 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 and explain uh, why, the, why the tournament isn't being held there because uh, the courts aren't even playable right now. That's so sad. I mean, anybody that is of my era and I guess your era too, Corby's was an integral part of our upbringing in the sport. Absolutely. And uh, as excited as I am about the event in a couple weeks, I know that it'll still feel a little different and and as though it's not wholly the city because uh, there are some things that were at Corby's that will be uh, missing, uh, from this event, but our hope is to ultimately get it back to Corby's, uh, down the road. All right. So let's talk details. How do people sign up for the event? When is it going to be held and how much does it cost and what divisions are you having this year, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. So we're up on tennis link. Uh, you can find us, uh, tournaments the weekend of August 17th, uh, it's called the City Championships. Uh, it's in Bossier City, Louisiana. Uh, so people can re- register just on Tennis Link. We're, our group is looking at this as a splash event, um, just to get people uh, beginning to talk about the city tournament, beginning to talk about Corby's. And so as opposed to the original format of the city that had numerous different events and divisions, we're only having two divisions this go around we're having a men's open singles division and a men's open doubles division uh we already have signed up pretty much uh all the top juniors in the area and then all the top adults in the area and it's going to certainly um retain that old spirit of young versus old uh and uh multi-generational uh tennis and 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 really be for our area the 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 highest level um, tennis we've had for our local players in many, many years. Does that answer your question? <laughs> I can't remember what else you asked me. How much does it cost to enter? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, $65 for the first event and then $28 for a second event. So 90, okay. $93 uh, is the most you'll pay if you want to play in both events. And what are the dates? And it's August 17th through August 19th, and it is a money tournament, so we are offering money to the top three finishers in both divisions. And will that just be based on how many entrants you get, or do you have a sponsor? How's that working? Yeah, we actually have multiple sponsors, uh, fortunately, um, and we've had uh, a good amount of support. Uh, The way we're determining the prize money is we're going to see what all of our expenses are um, and, and how much sponsorship we received and uh and then we're going to determine uh once we subtract uh expenses from sponsorships how much money is left over and we're gonna we're gonna take the prize money out of that pool gotcha you want to give a shout out to your sponsors there's so many uh i'd be no it'd be too hard i'd be remiss if uh if i went (laughs) there because there's uh there's so many at this point and they keep coming in so uh, I will on our Facebook page, which is something I'd like to talk about, and sure. I will moving forward, um, but uh, I couldn't name them all off the, off the top of my head at this point. 
Okay, cool. So let me ask you this. What is the format of the tournament? Will will players be playing full two out of three sets? How what kind of draw are you using? Is it just a straight elimination draw? Will, compass draw? How's that working? Yeah. Uh, or maybe you don't know yet. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's funny you asked me that question because uh, I actually, I mean, I, I do know there's, there's it's going to be, I, I don't know. If we haven't talked about whether or not they're going to play out a third set or it's going to be a 10-point ten, uh, 10 breaker. So that's a great question. As soon as I get off of this, I'm a call one of the guys I'm working with and say, how are we doing this? Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we are uh, we are having first-round consolation um, and singles and doubles, and it will either be two out of three sets or uh, a third set uh, breaker uh, mm-hmm. to decide, a, a 10-point breaker to decide the third set. So players are guaranteed at least two matches, and if they exactly. play both events, they're guaranteed four. Exactly. So not too bad for your 90, whatever you said, dollar investment. 93. $93 investment, um, four matches. That's pretty awesome. Um, And so let's talk about the Facebook page a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. So the Facebook page can be found, I think, by searching for the city championships. And um, we're super proud of the Facebook page. So, uh, you know, kind of when you asked me, you know, what happened to the city tournament? Why did it go away? I think, you know, part of it is, as I mentioned, I, I think there were folks that didn't really understand the history and the importance and the tradition behind this event. So leading up to the event, one thing that we're really working hard to try and do is to provide a lot of that history. Yeah, we're trying to tell the story for the current generation and for future generations. You know, who who are the legends of the city? Uh, what are some of the greatest? What was the format? Just what was it all about? And and every day we're every day leading up to the event, the weekend of the 17th, we're telling a different person's story, a, a different key figure of the city's story. So, for instance. Uh, yesterday, we told the story of Marvin Street, who was a teaching pro at Corby's during the 80s. Uh, this morning, we told the story of Pat Harrison. And we're going to have a new story featured every single morning up until uh, Friday's kickoff. I love it. I And it's so cool for me to go in and read these articles and see who's liking them and commenting on them because a lot of the people liking and commenting are part of the Parenting Aces community. I mean, it's just, it's amazing how the tennis world just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Even though it's growing, um, we become more and more connected. Yeah, no, and um, it's it's been an interesting ride for all of us because I feel like we kind of, you know, stuck our hand in the hornet's nest and just didn't realize what we're what we were going to find. And um, what we've realized is that, you know, we knew this meant a lot to us, but we didn't realize how much it meant to how many different people and how many other people. Right. And one of the things that, that you and I've talked about too, Jeffrey is, sorry. um, One of the things you and I've talked about too is the amount of coverage tennis used to get in the local newspaper and, you know, print newspapers are going away so quickly now, but it's fun to be able to look back at those old articles and see just how often tennis made the news and, and 
during the city, it was a huge part of the sports section of the paper. Absolutely. You know, I think, uh, I think another key piece of the city was like any sports, right? Like people could complain about the state of American tennis right now and say the reason more American but young people aren't playing tennis because we don't have an American player that's in the top five in the world. Um, but, you know, growing up, one thing that was a key component or key byproduct of the city was, you know, watching these great players play and being inspired by them and, and seeing that and wanting to go out there and practice hard so you could be that person. Or like you said, picking up the newspaper in the morning and, and reading about what was what had happened the night before and, and wanting to be the person that was in print one day. And so, you know, the city was such a, was such an engine, such a, such a motivating component to get young people out there and, and, and to get them striving to be as good as they possibly could. And I mean, that's another huge motivating factor for why we want to bring this back uh, to get as good a tennis out there on the courts for people to see so that they can, so they can be inspired and, and realize, wow, you know, I, maybe if I keep working hard and, and keep practicing, maybe one day I can be like that. Right. And, you know, something that my audience may not realize and Shreveport, Louisiana, you know, is it's not the biggest city in the world, but but in the state of Louisiana, it's one of the biggest. And when I was growing up, we had the national championships, you know, national hard courts are going on right now around the country. We had those tournaments in Shreveport every year and we would alternate between the boys and the girls. So one year we'd have the boys nationals, the next year we'd have the girls. It was typically the 14s. Um, Some years we had the 16s and I grew up going to nationals you know, which was two blocks away from my house is where it was being played. And I saw players like Tracy Austin and Pam Shriver um, playing national hard courts in my backyard. I mean, so these tournaments do a lot to inspire the next generation, whether we realize it or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, one thing we haven't touched upon is, you know, we have two players currently in the top 250 in the world that are from Shreveport. So clearly there's, there, and just, there just must be, in case people don't know, that would be Ryan Harrison and his younger brother, Christian Harrison. Yep. And, you know, so, you know, clearly we must be doing something right there. And I mean, there's an hit, there's a history, a long standing, deep, important history that helped produce those two boys. And so that's part of what we're telling as well is, you know, where do they come from? You know, what helped drive their dad that helped drive them? Mm-hmm. And, let's and fill, before him, those, and let's fill in those gaps. Right. And it wasn't even, it didn't even start with their dad. It really started with their grandfather who was the tennis coach at bird high school. Exactly. And then later Sintner. Right. So, I mean, there's so much history in the city of Shreveport and so much, um, tennis love that has sadly faded over the last decade or so much as it has in other cities and towns around the country. And, you know, the reason I wanted to have you on Jeffrey is hopefully by hearing about what you're doing in Shreveport with the city championships, some of my listeners will be inspired to revive tournaments in their communities. 
Yeah, that'd be amazing. I mean, one thing I learned, actually, we had dinner over at Dad's house a couple of days ago, and I never realized there was a city tournament in New Orleans, and he competed in it when he was a kid, and then he came to Shreveport and competed in the Shreveport City Tournament. So I don't know how many of these pipe tournaments there are in cities across the country, but that was really cool for me to see because I just never knew it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, our dad's pretty modest. He doesn't, he doesn't talk about these kinds of things unless you really poke and prod. But once you get him started, he's full of great stories. Yeah. And I, just one other thing, Lisa, I want to say, I mean, one thing that I've kind of realized going through this is that, you know, the, this I'm, we're kind of we're kind of, you know, salvaging or working on mm-hmm. the, the folklore of report tennis i mean i i I didn't realize until i started working on all this just how much i had kind of been inspired and how much i had been um just how much i how, how many older players like sat me down as i was growing up and told me these old stories and how much that resonated with me and how important that was to me and like you know those stories aren't written down for the most part or those stories don't really seem to be commemorated for the most part. And so uh, I think that's been one of the fun parts of this whole adventure is just kind of um, cementing that folklore, if you will, a little bit better and putting a frame around it for everyone to, to be able to enjoy and, and, and share. Yeah, for sure. I think these stories are crucial to the history of our sport and to the growth of our sport. You know, if, if you don't understand where you came from, you don't have any idea where you're going. And I think the two are, you know, intimately intertwined. And the fact that you're pulling all of these stories together and, and putting them on this Facebook page. And, you know, I don't know how you're planning to utilize that information during the tournament itself or moving forward, but I'm hoping that something really awesome grows out of this. Um, not that what you're doing now isn't already awesome because it is. I just, I can't wait every morning. The first thing when I wake up is I go to, to the Facebook page to see what new articles you've posted and what names I recognize from my childhood and, you know, even beyond that. And people, even people that I have met since starting Parenting Aces who I didn't realize came through Shreveport and played tennis in Shreveport. You know, that's really cool too. Absolutely. No, for me too. And, you know, I think memory is such a, such an interesting thing, right? I mean, there's some things that I think happened or I think I remember, but I really couldn't tell you with a hundred percent certainty. And then suddenly you start seeing these articles or seeing these pictures and they actually confirm what you may have thought but weren't 100% confident actually happened. Right, right. That's, uh, yeah, the older you get, the more that happens, I'm afraid. <laughs> and I, I'm sure. <laughs> let me let me just say to the audience, Jeffrey's 10 and a half years younger than me, um, so he's, he's a little ways behind me in, in those regards. But um, I don't know, the older we get, the closer you get to all of that. It's, it's just funny to watch. But um, I just I'm so excited about this. I'm sad I'm not going to be there this year. But have you all talked about what is going to happen moving forward? You're going to have this one event August 17th through 19th of this year. But then what? Yeah, so, I mean, ultimately our goal is to bring back the city with its original format, so all of those different divisions and events that it once had, 
uh, we're calling it the city championships um, because, to be honest, um, we don't know at what point uh, Corby's Tennis Center will be ready to hold this tournament again. So we've talked about everything from uh, having this twice a year, uh, once at Bossier, once at Corby's, or having it uh, once Corby's is back on its feet, having it spread, having it so large that uh, it needs to be spread out across both facilities to be able to hold it appropriately and correctly. Um, so, you know, again, you know, our goal just with this initial event is to make a splash, to start um, telling some of this uh, history and to get people excited and just get people craving uh, the city again. And I think uh, we're well on our way there. And uh, we just didn't want to, we didn't want to, we didn't want to try and do everything this first time out. I think we did the right thing, just limiting it to a, a couple of events because I think the quality of the tennis is going to be really high for our area, and I think we're going to succeed in in developing uh, the kind of momentum and excitement that we were hoping to be able to achieve. Fantastic. Well, I hope you'll keep all of us posted. I know the Facebook page will continue to get updated as you grow and expand the event. And I'm looking forward to seeing lots of pictures and hearing lots of reports after the tournament takes place and wish you all the best, Jeffrey. I'm, I'm so grateful to you and to the guys you're working with for bringing this really special event back to our hometown. Absolutely. Thanks, Lisa, for having me. It's awesome to be on here. And uh, I just hope uh, people that listen to you will come uh, come on our Facebook page, kind of uh, become part of the dialogue and just share as uh, we continue to kind of uncover this very rich history and uh, dig deeper into this very cool and fascinating tradition. And I'm going to just speak for you for a second because I'm your big sister and I can do that. If anyone listening is interested in reviving a similar type of event in their community, I'm going to volunteer Jeffrey to be your contact to help you get things kicked off because he is super organized and he knows how to get the ball rolling. And so if any of you are interested, I hope you will reach out to me and I will connect you with my little brother. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Great. Well, Jeffrey, thanks so much. I know you guys are on the road, so y'all drive carefully. And to my listeners, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at parentingaces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.